Welcome to the Single Greatest Choice Podcast, where single women find support, empowerment, information, and inspiration around the topics of singleness, fertility, motherhood, and mindset. I'm your host, Katie B., and I'm thrilled to be back to share more stories of women like you and me who are navigating these choices, along with interviews with experts in the fields of fertility preservation, coaching, and psychology. Whether you're just starting to question what to do about your finite fertility, or whether you're ready to make the leap into solo motherhood by choice, I hope these conversations will help you to feel more supported and confident along the way. Because whatever you decide to do with these years could be the single greatest choice you'll ever make, and you don't have to make it alone. Hey friends, I am so excited to share this interview with you. This is a conversation with my friend and former coaching client, Anna. And we recorded this about three months ago in January. And the reason why it's taken me so long to bring this to you is that initially I had a plan to record three conversations with three different women who were all my coaching clients in the spring of 2021, right before Miles was born. And what's unique about all three of these women, they were all one-on-one clients and all three of them were very seriously pursuing solo motherhood. And all three of them had a pivot in their story where they ended up meeting someone and pursuing motherhood as part of a couple instead of as a solo mom. And I just think that it's such an interesting story because oftentimes women are hesitant to come into a coaching group or to have conversations around or do research around solo motherhood because they think that they are sort of sealing their fate by even just exploring the path. And so I wanted to share with you guys stories of women who have been really seriously thinking about and even taking steps towards solo motherhood and then have still had a circumstance where they've ended up meeting the person that they want to share their lives with and parent with. And not to say that it's better or worse than solo motherhood, but just that it is still an option and still something that's on the table even as you begin to take steps towards solo motherhood. So Originally, I thought I would interview all three women and try to put it together into one episode, which is just, to be honest, a whole lot of effort that I am not sure I can pull off. So I've recorded two of three of those interviews, and right now I'm just bringing you the first. This is Anna, and I hope that you really enjoy and relate to her story, and I know that you will. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to do just a couple quick announcements. One is that I am currently enrolling for the last community group before I take a little bit of a break this summer. There's a community group starting May 11th. This group will be on Thursdays. It's May 11th through June 15th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Central. And this, as you know, if you listen, is just absolutely my favorite thing that I do for this community. It's a way for you to connect with other women who are on the path towards solo motherhood, to ask questions and just share your experiences and really just create a community around this choice that you're making or considering. And then the last thing is the retreat in El Cuyo, Mexico. It's a coaching and yoga retreat, June 28th to July 2nd. We are down to about three spots left on the retreat. I would love to have you join me there. It's going to be phenomenal, just a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I don't know that I'll do this again. I hope that I will, but who knows what life will hold over the next few years. So if you're interested, now is the time. I will say that many of the women who are going are currently in the trying and or maybe kind of early pregnancy. So even if you're in cycles, if you can make the timing work out with transfers or IUIs, there will be women there who are 
early pregnancy. There are also women going who don't know if this is the path for them and they're still kind of exploring it. So anywhere along the way, even if you're already parenting and you're able to kind of take a break from your day-to-day parenting duties and have some a family member or someone take care of your child, all who resonate with this solo motherhood journey are welcome and I would love to see you there. So information on both of those things, the community group and the retreat at my website, www.singlegreatestchoice.com. And with no further ado, here is Anna. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Single Greatest Choice podcast. In this season, I'm circling back to some women that I've known and worked with in the past. So it's been several years since we've connected. So I'm really excited to catch up with you and hear how things are going, but also to share your story with the listeners. I'm excited to hear my story. You're welcome. I got a lot out of listening to previous seasons and hearing other women's stories. So excited to be here. Great. Okay. So I guess let's just start from wherever you kind of perceive as the beginning. Just tell us about you and how you and I connected or kind of how you got onto this thinking train of, of single motherhood. Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly how I found your podcast and your coaching, but I think it might've been through the single mothers by choice forum that like online group, but that was back in 2020. But at that point I had been contained kind of the possibility of the single mother by choice path for about a year. I was finishing up my PhD at UT Austin and had been in a a long-term relationship that he struggled with the idea of children. Uh, When we first started dating, that he wanted them, but then as the years went by, was really hesitant. I think I just kind of ignored it for a long time, hoping that it would kind of resolve itself. And I was too concerned at the beginning, but then I hit 35 and started to get a little nervous. And so as I was doing therapy to help myself through the whole PhD stress of grad school, I started kind of talking through a lot of that with my therapist, which was really helpful and realized that, you know, family and having children was really important to me and potentially, you know, more important than that relationship. And so we did decide to kind of go our separate ways. And I moved back to my hometown in San Antonio and went back to my job, was very grateful for that. And that was right in the middle of COVID. Uh, So that was August of 2020. And that's when I, I kind of started to get serious about thinking about having a child. And a few months later, I found a reproductive endocrinologist, a fertility clinic in San Antonio, just to go and get tested and see where my fertility was. And I think a few months later, when I reached out to you and kind of just decided I I needed someone to bounce ideas off of Mm -hmm. and kind of figure out this was something I was really ready for. I was reacting a bit too much to being Mm -hmm. single again. That's kind of how it got rolling. Yeah. So prior to that relationship, had you always pictured that life of being partnered and Kind yeah, of the definitely. traditional love, marriage, baby, carriage. I always had. I, you know, I think I had a pretty happy childhood and have a really great relationship with my parents and, and kind of always saw myself as a nurturing motherly mm-hmm. figure. My friends used to always jokingly call me mom, even like in high school, I was kind of the mom of the group. But yeah, I did. And I think I, I might have told you this back in our coaching, but if you had asked me or, you know, at 18 or 20, you know, in 15 years, which one of us, me and my older sister, who would be single, unmarried, childless with a bunch of graduate degrees and who would be, you know, married at 24 with two children, we would have said the opposite. And mm-hmm. so it was really kind of a funny thing that that's the way my my life went. But yeah, I definitely saw myself with a family. Yeah. So do you remember, like, was there a point, an age or, or a stage in your life where singleness started to sort of feel like, uh-oh, this is not, yeah. <laughs> this is not working out as planned. Do you remember kind of when that yeah. hit? It was right before I turned 30. I remember that distinctly. And I actually remember having that conversation with my my really good friend who was my roommate at the time. 
we were planning a big trip to celebrate our 30th birthdays because we have mm-hmm. very close birthdays. And it was kind of like, a if I don't meet someone this year and get that process rolling, then screw it. I'm going to go get my doctorate. Like I might as well. And that okay, was kind that's, of- <laughs> I thought you were going to say I baby, but no. <laughs> no, that's kind of how I thought. And I was like, yeah. I at least need to like get out of San Antonio where I've had zero luck dating, like just nothing. And like, if I move, you know, if I move to some big city, where I, you know, go back to school and with a bunch of other grad students, you know, in their twenties, thirties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm bound to meet someone. I mean, that was was not the primary reason for getting my doctorate. I have always wanted to, but it was kind of a wishful thinking that I thought that just changing my circumstance would mean I would meet someone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you were kind of feeling that stress prior yeah. to moving to Austin, and then you met yeah. a partner. So I think I had a I very did. similar situation where I was like, okay, good. I've got that. Well, actually multiple times in my thirties where I'm like, okay, good. I've got that sorted. Like I had it a couple times in my, in my late twenties too, where I was like, oh, I finally met someone or, oh, this is going to work out. And then after six months, it was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) So it must've been really hard to let go of that relationship, regardless of the issues that were coming up just because of the timing, because that puts you, you were 35, right? When I was 36. 36 in that relationship. relationship And you said it was mostly about the kid thing. Like that was kind of the primary. I mean, like that was, that was the, that was the key reason and kind of the immediate reason for Mm -hmm. that ending. But like in hindsight, there were other reasons. Right. Right. There's always a million reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So some just kind of basic kind of compatibility things, but like we were such good friends and it's Uh funny. Like even at one point he told me, do you sometimes feel like we're just like roommates and really good friends instead of like together? And it was like, that should have been a clue. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so when you and I met, it was in late 2020 or early 20, I think it was late 2020. We had yeah. been in lockdown for a while. I remember the vaccines were just rolling out because that was a big topic of conversation of like mm-hmm. waiting to be vaccinated, to try to get pregnant. But I do remember at that time you were still pretty freshly out of that relationship. Yeah. It was a big leap to like shift your thinking from I'm with the person that I'm going to be with to maybe I'm doing this on my own. Yeah, I mean, I had to go through a process of grieving and mourning that, you know, the future that I thought I was going to have that person and definitely missing that kind of companionship, but also, mm-hmm. also just trying to kind of come to terms with the idea of doing all that on my own. You know, it wasn't necessarily am I capable of it, but it was the financial question was mm-hmm. really, really scary to me as someone who hadn't been back at full-time work for very long, you know, with mm-hmm. a lot of student debt and just renting an apartment. And that was really scary. Luckily, parents and family nearby, but I'm almost 40. So my parents aren't, you know, super young. So that was all just kind of part of that consideration. Right. Yeah. Do you remember towards the end of that relationship or as that relationship was ending, were you already aware of single mother by choice community or, or that that was like an option for you? Or did that come later after the breakup? So I remember coming across, I probably in some moment of just feeling really sorry for myself, to be honest, I think I just probably Googled like having a baby on your own and mm-hmm. just trying to like look up some statistics. And I remember coming across that one forum website and taking a peek and trying to like figure out and almost feeling a little bit ashamed for some mm-hmm. reason of kind of looking into that. Cause you know, for me to like really seriously consider that I had to admit to myself that the relationship wasn't going to work out. 
Um, so it was kind of a slow process. I think it was probably around February or March of 2020, right as I was finishing my dissertation is when I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. if I need to. So you left that relationship, not necessarily looking for another relationship, but thinking I'm no. going full force into this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Yeah. 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 I kind of at that point was like, I don't know if I can date again. <laughs> right. And that's right. When we, all of that sounds very familiar to me from mm-hmm. like the time that we connected. I remember the grief and worrying about loneliness and that you had been so amicable, like you said, with your partner, that you had such a friendship there. And I think many of us have had that experience of like, I'm kind of aware that this might be settling, but maybe I'll settle for it. Like that relationship that isn't terrible, but it also just, you know, like love songs are not written about this. This Definitely. is not it, you know, and yet maybe this is the best I can do or, you know. Yeah, because some right. relationships are not fairy tales, right? right? And, right. You know, I was trying right. to make sure I wasn't being unrealistic about relationships, yeah. but sometimes there's a fine line there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting how you said you kind of took a peek at like the idea of solo motherhood and some of the forums and things, because occasionally I'm contacted by women who it's almost like they feel like they're cheating on their partners because they're like, I just kind of want a little more information. They're obviously in a place where they're not sure or they're kind of leaning towards like this relationship is probably not going to work out, but they kind of want to like, just check out and see how the grass is over on this side before they leave exactly. the relationship. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's kind of, I mean, it is looking at like an alternative lifestyle in a way, right? right? It's, right, it's right. a big mental shift. Right. So I remember meeting you and, and you were very upfront about, I'm still grieving. And, and I thought this was the way my life was going to go and it didn't. And you had just moved and just kind of transitioned from being a, a student to, you know, back into the workforce. But you were very resolute. Like you knew that this Mm -hmm. was what you were going to do and you were taking steps. Each time I talked to you, I remember you had appointments with your reproductive endocrinologist. You chose a donor, right? I did. Yeah, I I came down to two of them, but finally kind of talked to two of my Mm -hmm. kind of trusted friends and my mom. We kind of like had settled on one. I was literally waiting for the announcement that the general public could get the first COVID vaccine. And I was going to wait for that and then press buy on yes. those vials. Yes, I know. It's yeah. such a weird like time in history. But that I, I remember that exactly that it was like you wanted to get your vaccinated before moving yeah. into the next step. So then what happened? <laughs> so before I had started coaching with you, I had delved back into the online dating, like to see what was out there. And I think I did that. Gosh, I don't, I don't remember when it must have been like September or October of 2020. I got a couple messages, but then I just got scared. And like, I talked to like one or two people and it was just overwhelming. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not ready for this. I'm not mm-hmm. ready to date. And so I do remember we had one coaching session where we were like, we got to end on time because you had a date, like you were going out. So what happened was that like kind of halfway, I think through our coaching sessions, I was like, you know, this is the path I want to do. Like I kind of, I didn't have to necessarily convince myself that solo motherhood was for me. It was more like feeling ready. And I had at that point, I think gotten quite attached to the idea and frankly, kind of in love with that community and kind of all of the support and just things that I had found online. And it felt really empowering. And like, funnily, like learning that some people that I knew, like from college, there was a girl that I was close to in college, turns out her older sister, who I knew had a child, was a solo mom by choice. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, wow, well, I actually do know people in real life mm-hmm. who've done this. Anyways, I remember having like, some conversation with one of my friends and be like, I'll just check I had deactivated or not deactivated, but like just stop checking the dating app. I was like, I'll check again for like two weeks and just like see 
just this is the last chance I'm going to give the universe to let me meet someone. And I did. That was what happened. And I got a message from from a guy and I was intrigued. And we had this intense kind of back and forth via the messaging, like essay length things over a handful of days. And he just was checking all these boxes from the conversation. And he suggested rather quickly we meet in person. And we did. And there was just kind of an immediate chemistry. And that's what happened. Yeah. So that's, that's how I met my husband. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. So I think we wrapped up our coaching maybe like right before all of yeah. that happened. Cause I think I knew you were going on dates, but you also were like very, you had a very clear path. I, I was not wondering if you were going to follow through with solo motherhood. You seemed resolute. You seemed at peace with it. You seemed like very clear that that was the best thing for you. So talk about what it felt like. The transition from that was a fun date, or I feel some butterflies with this guy to like, oh, this really could be it. Like, what was that like for you? It was surprisingly hard, like emotionally. So I think when we were going through the coaching, I did go on, I think it was two dates with other people. And I remember thinking like, if I wasn't pursuing the solo motherhood path, I would probably give these guys a little more chance, but there just wasn't, like it just didn't, nothing really connected. And so it kind of convinced me that even more that that was what I was supposed to do. But when I met my husband, I was really excited. And I would like come back from that first date and like excitingly talking to my cat. I think I met <laughs> someone. Oh, that's and, so and cute. Then, like, you know, with, within like 60 seconds of saying that out loud, being really sad, being like, oh no, is this really how I feel? Or is this my brain convincing me that he's this person just because I'm still scared about the solo motherhood. Mm. And so it was confusing for honestly for a couple of weeks. But one of the really great things about him was that I told him all of that. I was super upfront about it. And on our first date, I told him, I was like, there's no point in just not being honest. And, and I said, there's something really important, you know, you should know about me, which is that I am currently pretty deep into pursuing having a, a child on my own. And kind of said what the steps were and where I was. And I, you know, paused and gave him an opportunity to respond. And he was quiet for a second. And he just said, thank you for telling me. I'm sure that was really hard to tell me that. And I remember thinking, like, I was surprised by his reaction. I expected a negative reaction, to be honest. But he was quite, I wouldn't say supportive, but he he wasn't, he wasn't upset about it. And that Mm -hmm. was kind of my first clue that he was pretty great. (laughs) After I think our third or fourth date, he kind of hesitantly said, you know, could I ask a favor of you? He says, I'm, I really like you and I really want to see where this is. Like, would you give me like three months before you make any decisions? And so, you know, at that point we had no information about when the COVID vaccine would be available for the general public. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to wait until I at least know when that is. So I gave him a chance and I gave us a chance. And <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that story. I told you before we started recording, part of why I wanted to talk to you is because so many women are afraid that if they start to explore and kind of go down the rabbit hole of this option, it sort of is a signal to the universe that like they're definitely going to end up being a solo mom and maybe they're not quite sure that that's what they want. And um, I've definitely had like consults for women that are interested in coaching and then they sort of back out and it's that. I don't want to get too deep in. And so I thought it was so interesting that I reached out to you just to kind of catch up. And I don't even remember when that was. It was a while ago. 
and just like, Hey, how's it going? Haven't heard from you in a while. And I was expecting like, Oh, I'm pregnant or, Oh, you know, like I thought I knew what was next for you. And you're like, well, funny story. <laughs> I'm actually engaged. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, but you said something in that email and I don't know if you remember this, but you said that you felt like the coaching and just the process, not necessarily just the coaching, but the whole like mental process of like realizing that you truly could do it on your own was helpful to being able to like be in a, in this relationship. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. I really do feel that way. I think it allowed me to work through all of my fears around not just having a baby on my own, but just having a baby, honestly. And what it was that I really wanted as a parent building a family versus what I wanted out of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I've heard you say before and other women in the solo mom sphere is divorcing that idea of family and marriage. Mm -hmm. And so that was really key to me was I think one of the things that comforted me or even excited me about the idea of solo motherhood was that it didn't necessarily mean I would never be partnered or be with mm -hmm, someone. Mm -hmm. It just would kind of narrow who mm -hmm. I might be partnered with. It would have to be someone who was okay with me having a child. Right. You know, they might be someone who had a child and was a single parent. And that, mm -hmm. that gave me a lot of comfort, I think, hearing mm -hmm. some of those stories of women kind of in that position. But yeah, it just, it let me see kind of more clearly what my priorities mm -hmm. were. And so I think I went into my relationship with my husband, not in a panic. Mm -hmm. And that really helped. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I was just, it was just seeing him for who he was and how he made me feel and, you know, how we were as a couple, not about this fear of time. Yeah. I think that there's definitely kind of a trajectory of like kind of stages where I think most of us kind of go through a stage where we're like, oh shit, I might really have to have a baby on my own. That's terrifying. And it feels there's like, maybe like for me, at least there was some like shame or embarrassment attached to it. Yeah. And, and so sometimes I see women who couple up like when they're in that stage and I kind of worry like, oh, I hope they don't regret there could be some like settling going on there. But you, it was a completely different thing. When I heard from you that you were engaged, I was like, dang, he must be amazing because, <laughs> because you were sure, I mean, you were all in yeah, I was. confident. And so that to me was so exciting. Cause I was like, it would take a really great guy to like, take you off that path. And it really <laughs> resonated with me. You did say, and you said it, I think earlier in this conversation too, that there was some letting go and even like a little bit of grief of like, you had started to identify. As I a, did. Yeah. I still follow a bunch of solo moms on Instagram yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm always going to, I just am always, I don't know. There was a sense, I did feel a sense of, of community with that already. And so, yeah, I think I was able to be really honest with him about kind of how I felt about that. And I think with so many past relationships, there was a fear of like admitting how I was feeling and hurting the other person's feelings or like, them reacting badly. And I just, by that point, because I wasn't in a panic about partnering with someone, I was able to be so open, I think with him, but obviously yeah. it, a lot of it's just to do with who he is as a person too. So For I, think sure. was, I, it, yeah. I got extremely lucky. I you know, there's really no other way to, to kind of say it. He likes to joke that he's just one of these people who always just has kind of dumb luck and that it, <laughs> it rubs off on the people around him. So yeah. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, the timing was, you know, you can believe in we, we both you know, divine were. timing. He, 
Yeah. He had been searching for someone to start a family with for a long time too, and having not a lot of luck. And so we did have a lot of kind of intense conversations about, are we settling or is this really the best relationship we've been in? We actually had some of those conversations and it wasn't, Mm. didn't take very long to realize, no, like this is really different from any relationship I've had. And yeah. And yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. Okay. So now tell us where are you in the family planning with your husband? Yeah, so we got married in November, which is exciting. And about a month and a half before that, found out I was pregnant. <laughs> I'm currently 17 weeks. Oh, wow. How many months that is? Like four and a half months. So. Okay, that's further along than I thought you were. That's that's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, so I'm finally in the second trimester feeling a little better. The first was rough, unfortunately. Yeah. I will, do not recommend going on your honeymoon in a foreign country where food is the focus when you were having food aversions. Oh no, oh no. Where did you guys go? We went to Italy. Oh. And I couldn't eat. It was awful. <laughs> anyway. Oh, You'll have to go back was... to celebrate an anniversary. Yeah, yeah, we will. We already said we'll do our 10 year anniversary there. But yeah, so really exciting. I had kind of once I realized this was the long term relationship and we were engaged, I was then kind of back to my, okay, I'm 39. Time to panic. <laughs> yes. And, you know, he kind of wanted to wait to start trying till after the wedding because he was worried for the exact situation, which has happened that I would be mm-hmm. pregnant and feeling pretty miserable <laughs> um, on the honeymoon. And I was like, no, we're old. It's going to take forever. But he was right. So yeah. he liked to <laughs> remind me that he was right. Um, oh, my gosh. So here we are. Yeah. So now did you I, kn- I know you were doing all of the appointments and work with the reproductive endocrinologist. Did you do egg freezing or was that not? Part I did of- not. Okay. I did not. We. I was contemplating it. You know, when I was dating my husband, and I, I went from a recommendation from my OBGYN. Asked, like, do you know of any other fertility clinics around town that aren't as expensive as the one that I had mm-hmm. initially done testing with? And she recommended the one attached to the the university hospital here. And so I talked with them on the telehealth, and I mm-hmm. had gotten all their pricing. And we were kind of contemplating: would it be worth it to freeze embryos at this point, just mm-hmm. as an insurance policy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were planning to go to them, you know, after like three months of trying, nothing happened, but we ended up not needing to. So I don't know. I may regret not having yeah. done that in a couple of years if we try to have a second, but it'll all, it'll, it'll work out. Yeah. Things just have a way yeah. of working out. Yes. Well, yeah. that is so exciting. So how are you feeling now? I'm feeling pretty good. Tired and it's difficult to get through a full day at work, but I'm feeling pretty good. This is the kind of calmest and happiest mm-hmm. I've felt that I can remember as an adult. And I'm, this is coming from someone with a history of anxiety disorders. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's why I really wanted people to hear your story, because I hope that what people hear is that you would have been just fine either way. You would have been happy either yeah. way. Like you kind of got to a point of peace with this is where I've landed and I'm 39 years old and I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And, you know, it's, it wasn't that same energy that I think many of us find ourselves in where we're like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, I've got to find someone. I've got to find someone. It was a very different energy that you brought into this relationship. A woman who's in that worked up kind of frantic state probably would have scared off a guy like your husband, you know, as wonderful as he is, he probably been like, Whoa, she's got a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what I did. I mean, I, I had that last relationship and I mean, he, we're still good friends, but I think it's in terms of being partnered, he was like, I don't know if I can handle all of that business. You know? Yeah. And I, I think it was just the timing somehow worked out, mm-hmm. I yeah. think. But yeah, I think had I not worked through a lot of that stuff on my own, 
I don't think we'd be in this position. Mm-hmm. We we joke about that too, that if we both hadn't have like worked through some stuff about our expectations mm-hmm. of romantic partners, that we probably would have mm-hmm. like had we met five years earlier, we wouldn't have liked each other probably. Because mm-hmm. we were like <laughs> focused on like, oh, you have to like the same music as me. Right. Like, right. All these same interests. Like we, we do not have the same interests. You know, he spends most of the evenings playing video games. I don't understand it. But yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that he yes. has his interests and I have mine. <laughs> yes, that's good. So do you have any words of wisdom that you would want to share with women who are listening or? I think one of the things, I'm an overthinker. Like my brain has a hard time shutting off and it's hard for me to distinguish between my emotions and like what I'm thinking. And I think one of the keys for me of kind of getting to that place of real acceptance and almost like excitement about the future was being more in tune with my emotions and like how I was feeling and kind of Mm -hmm. my gut feeling about things and I think when I thought about the idea of having a child on my own and having my own little family it wasn't a sense of failure or regret it was a sense of excitement Mm -hmm. and now I can look back on that and kind of know that I wasn't panicking in finding a partner. I just happened to, you know, I don't, it's not that I consider myself more lucky than someone that didn't. I'm Mm -hmm. lucky I met the person that makes me happy and it it worked out, but I think I would have been happy either route. Mm -hmm. It would have been different, but I still think that I I would have been happy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think if my story can help anyone kind of come to a a place of accepting what their true kind of emotions are about mm-hmm. their options. You can listen to that gut instinct and maybe shut out the voices of people around you trying to give advice. <laughs> people love to give the advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the women that I talk to part of why they're either suffering as a solo mom, or they're just perceiving that they're going to be suffering as a solo mom is because they think that they'll always be comparing what it would have been like if they'd had a partner there and that somehow like their life as a solo mom is always going to like come up short compared to, so that still is their plan A and it's just not what's happening to them. And I'm just wondering, given your, your story, I wonder if, and I don't even know if you can answer this, but I'm curious what you think. Like if you'll just, the idea that you ever considered solo motherhood will just sort of like fade into the, that was a season and now it's gone. Or if you'll also kind of live that like sliding doors, like parallel, like when he's driving you nuts, you're like, I should have just done this myself. You know what I mean? Like, cause I think like the grass is <laughs> sometimes always green. I, sometimes yeah. I do feel that way. Yeah. One of the things you have a tendency to say, even in your like Instagram posts and stuff is how like you don't have to like make decisions with someone else. Mm-hmm, you, it's mm-hmm. all up to you. Right. And how mm-hmm. kind of freeing that is. And, and sometimes I can see myself in the future being a little jealous of that, but you know, I think we always have a tendency to compare ourselves to other people. And mm-hmm. just because I'm partnered and have a really supportive husband who I have full confidence in as a partner and a father, I still find myself even now just being pregnant, comparing myself to the people I know who are parents and, you know, they might have more financial resources or they might have more flexible jobs. But I, I think that it's tempting to always do that. And you're always going to be comparing yourself to other yes. people. So I think whether you're parenting on your own or with someone else, I'd much rather be parenting on my own than with a unsupportive kind of crappy partner. So Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're totally yeah. right. It's like, it's a choice to kind of step into that space of the grass is greener somewhere else. And you're right. It doesn't, your circumstances don't matter. There are multiple 
beautiful ways to live life. And so you're never going to live all the ways you're just living your one way. And that doesn't make the other ways bad. And I, I talk with women about that a lot where maybe choosing between solo mother, because I think a lot of times women have this experience of like, they almost feel like they have to, they believed that being partnered was better. And in order to like really be a good solo mom, they have to like swing all the way to like, no, I actually think that being a solo mom is better. It's like, what if they're just both, what if it's two flavors of ice cream and they're both delicious, you know, like one doesn't have to be better than the other. And I have this distinct memory of, I was at this coaching conference a couple months ago and I was sitting next to obviously a couple, a couple, they had like his hand was on her knee or whatever. And she looked over and was asking me about my coach. It was a conference for coaches. And so she was asking me like, what's your coaching area? And I was telling her and I told, and she was like, so do you have a child on your own? And I was like, yeah, I do. I have a you know toddler. And she was like, that must be so hard. And I said, I looked at her and I was like, are you, and they had rings on, you know? So I'm like, are you married to that guy? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, gosh, that must be so hard. And she just started cracking <laughs> up. And I was like, that's yeah, like, right. Like it's all perfect hard. response. <laughs> I love it. It's different hard. Like the parts it's that all are hard. relative. Right. It's all relative. Right. And no one understands your unique situation and you don't understand anyone else's. It's always right. even with a partner, there's gonna be moments where as the you know, the birth parent, the one who's breastfeeding, if I'm able to do that, it's you know, it's gonna feel like disproportionately it's on me. I realize it's not in any way really comparable to being you know, without a partner, but it's, but I don't think there's ever, yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's, it's I, not, I, and I I'm, think still gonna be the, I'm still going to be the one waking up and feeding the baby at three right. o'clock in the morning. That's not going to change. <laughs> and I almost think sometimes it might be harder because there is this person who like could be helping, but actually can't really be helping in that way. Yeah. And so like the opportunity for having strong feelings about that is, you know, yeah. a little more present. I remember yeah. at 2 a.m., kind of like scrolling through the Rolodex in my mind of like every human I knew to see who I could possibly like resent just because I was so I mean, tired <laughs> sure. and then I wanted someone to pay. Yeah. No, I mean, I've already gone through the like phases of like, you don't really understand. You're not the yeah. one pregnant whose body is yeah. changing and right. you, have, well, I'm you feel sure like you don't have when... any control over your emotions. And, right. Yeah. You're in Italy and he's like scarfing down the pasta and yeah. you're like, <laughs> yeah. And drinking all the wine I couldn't drink. Yeah. Oh was, no. Yeah. But I think you really nailed it when you said you'd rather be doing this solo than with a partner that was not supportive yeah. and not, you know, I've, it's not that I've partner. Seen, I've better. seen enough of those. Yeah. I've seen yes. enough of those relationships from an outside perspective to, to know that that to me is the worst, the worst alternative yes. of all. So yeah. um, I'm so happy for you. Cause I feel like you had two really great flavors of ice cream. Neither one would have been settling. Like you got to yeah. pick between two things you were happy with. And I'm so happy for you that you found the love of your life right at the last minute. But if you hadn't, or if you'd met him in three years and you had a one-year-old or two-year-old or what, you know, yeah. that would have been great too. But yeah. this is just your story and I love it. And so I'm so glad that we're getting to share it. Me too. I feel very fortunate, but it's just my story and just my path. And it doesn't mean it's the right one for anyone else. Yeah. I, I know that it will help some women feel hopeful though, because I think some women really truly think that, you know, it's one or the other. And if I start to, if I, yeah. if I make that appointment with the reproductive endocrinologist, or if I start looking at donors or, you know, then that's it for me. Um, yeah. And I think that I went you know, pretty far down that path. And, yeah, you um, did. I don't regret any of that at all. I'm, you know, I'm really thankful that I did learning so much about motherhood and pregnancy and the birth process and postpartum process. Like I learned so much from 
solo motherhood forums that I was mm-hmm. a part of in the podcast, mm-hmm. like yours and others that are out there. It made me feel more ready for this being a parent in general. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was super, super beneficial. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that period of my life. That's amazing. Over the last few months, and particularly since I've been pregnant, I've been very open about the solo motherhood journey that I was pursuing for a while. I kept that like really close and only my really close family and a handful of of friends, mostly some very close coworkers who it would have impacted more than anyone else Mm -hmm. in my life knew about it. And I found myself telling extended family now about that and who are shocked who, you know, their Mm -hmm. position in the world is that, oh, you can't have a child without both a father mm-hmm. and a mother and you know and, and I've mm-hmm. gotten some negative reactions from some family members it's been really freeing to kind of share that experience with other people and I think you'll be surprised at how supportive people are of that mm-hmm. uh, I think I was I was really surprised by how how supportive particularly my peers and coworkers and friends were I hope it's something that becomes more acceptable kind mm-hmm. of on a wide scale and I wish in this country we were better at supporting parents but I don't know, I just, I have a lot of admiration and respect for women who do that. Part of me is still a little sad that I'm not part of that club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And I do, I love that you're, that you're willing to share that part of your story, regardless of the way that things turned out, because it would be kind of easy to just let Trying to normalize like, it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I do think that like, who knows? I mean, maybe some coworker comes back to you a year from now or a friend or sibling of a friend or whatever. And it's like, Hey, so when you were thinking about that, like, what did you do? Like, who did you call? Like, what, what appointments yeah. do you know? Like they may and just e- have logistical even, even questions. Sharing that, that I had been thinking about that with some, with other people, like acquaintances, I found out so many people who have gone through fertility treatments who I never mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. You know, to have their kids. Like, Oh yeah, I did IVF. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. And so it just kind of opens up a broader conversation about the challenges and, and the struggle people have with starting a family, you know, whatever their family looks like. Yeah. Okay. So my last question for you, because I think there are women who are like curious, but they don't really understand what I'm offering or kind of what they might be able to get from coaching. So I'm just wondering about that experience of going through the coaching, like what that was like. I had no idea what to expect with coaching. And to be honest, I am usually pretty hesitant or suspicious of the kind of like things that are outside of like clinical therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's a little woo-woo. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> the more acad- more academic side, I'm a very academic mm-hmm. intellectual person. But it was it was really helpful. You have all this personal lived experience of this process, you know, or several steps ahead of where I was. And so I think one of the most helpful things was just having someone who's we don't know each other outside of that. So there's mm-hmm. not any preconceived, you know, it's having that kind of neutral third party almost mm-hmm. in a way, but there was strategies and ways of thinking through questions and feelings that I think through the coaching process and through the training that you have, that was just really helpful in helping me think differently about mm-hmm. where I was and what my, what my options and mm-hmm. what my goals were. I think it was, it was clarifying the goals that I had for myself and what my life looked like that was mm-hmm. so helpful. Good. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I really think that like coaching can be for anyone and everyone. And I think that sometimes when I'm coaching women, they'll be like, well, I have something on my mind, but I don't think it's really related because it has to do with, you know, finances or whatever. I'm like it's all, yeah, we, we went off topic. Like, it's all, it's all related. 
Yeah, because it's your life, you know, and if it's weighing heavily on you, it's usually, I mean, it all kind of stems back to just a handful of kind of big picture worries that we have. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned earlier that one of yours was like, can I, can I do this? Like, I know that I want to, but like logistically, yeah. can I make yeah, this the practicalities work? of it? Yeah. 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 So I think it can be really helpful just to kind of air all of the big worries of like, what if this, what if that, and you know, kind of just get it all, all out. Um, so I'm glad that you found value there. And I just, I'm always curious to kind of hear what people take away from the coaching. Yeah, no, I didn't do group coaching, but the the one-on-one, but I could see the group coaching being really particularly helpful. You really know you're not alone and you have mm-hmm. other people in a similar stage. Yeah. Um, Cause I've always, you know, found that just talking to multiple people about any kind of question about the future, mm-hmm. really helpful. So one of my favorite pieces of feedback I've ever gotten about group coaching, a woman said, I've never seen so much nodding on a zoom. (laughs) Like everyone's (laughs) just like, yes, 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 yes. That's me. You know? And for me, I say this, if you, you know, have listened back to the old episodes of the podcast, getting into this, I think one of my biggest fears was that like, I knew people did this, but I just thought I had all these ideas about what it meant about someone that they like in my mind, it still felt like a failure early on that I hadn't met someone yeah. that I, you know, this major life thing that I'd failed to do. So I just assumed we're all failures. We're all losers. We're all whatever. And so even once I started to identify, maybe this, these are my people, I was like, Oh, I don't think I want to want to be, you know, part of this, <laughs> part of this group. And then I started one-on-one and then the groups and I'm telling you like these women are all like you, like people that I'm like, if we lived in the same city, I would love to go get a drink with you. Not right now. But, yeah. You no, know, to hang out. Like they're just people that I'm like, tell me more about your PhD. Tell me more about your thoughts about this, like smart and successful and, you know, fun and funny and just all the things. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, like it requires a lot of planning and thinking and intentionality yes. to go down that yes. path. So you have people who are a lot less laissez-faire about their life. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Definitely planners and people who kind of have it together. So yeah, I think that the value, there's that value of like the one-on-one is you really can get into your own stuff and your own story, but the group is also really helpful because you kind of hear other people's perspectives. And sometimes people are at slightly different stages or a little bit further down the road. And so they bring up something that you didn't even know was an option, or you didn't know you could ask your doctor about that, or, you know, just information as well. So yeah, it's been really wonderful to connect that way. I I think it's a good kind of deep dive into the community aspect Mm -hmm. of it because Mm -hmm. everyone wants a sense of community and belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, for a lot of women, at least for me, initially, the the really kind of scariness of of solo was was the solo, you know, part. And (laughs) realizing, you know, there's a lot of women in that same position. And so you're really not Mm -hmm. alone. That was really helpful in mm-hmm. coming to a place of acceptance. Yeah, with it. for sure. For sure. I still feel that way. I mean, I'm obviously, there's no turning back for me now. I have an almost two year old, but I still, I get so much value out of every, every connection, every woman that I meet. I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You know, it just, I still yeah. need that. It still feels good, even though I'm, I'm where I am and I'm super happy with my life, but it just still kind of is this little like filling of my little so a mom bucket to just know who else is, is out there doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll always be a cheerleader. Yes. Yes. We'll always count you as an honorary <laughs> member. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story. And I'm excited to to get it out to the um to the listeners because I think this is a different, a different take on someone considering solo motherhood. And I just think it's a fun story to share. Yeah, you're welcome. It was yeah. Fun and a fun share. story to live. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you. <laughs> thank you for joining me for this episode of the Single Greatest Choice Podcast. I'm your host, Katie B. You can learn more about me, this podcast, and the Single Greatest Choice coaching at my website, www.singlegreatestchoice.com, or find me on Instagram at single underscore greatest underscore choice. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute to rate and review in iTunes. That helps more women to find our show. Until next time, I'm sending you all of my love and support as you go about making the choices that will create a life you love.